everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody, to another week of Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We are grateful to have you with us today, and I am very excited to get to introduce you to one of my own personal mentors today. Um, I want to introduce you to Gerilyn Beers, and I met her many years ago for the first time at an AOSH meeting, and I remember being kind of um, starstruck when I listened to her talk about the oral systemic connection. She knew way more than I did. And I just listening to her talk almost fire hose me with information. But honestly, I was, I was kind of enthralled. And I remember she invited me to sit next to her at lunch one day and she was talking with another colleague and I was just kind of listening in and I'm like, oh my gosh, she knows so much that I want to know, like, I want to know her more. And then it turned out that we actually brought her into our uh, our practice to do um, some consulting with us and some training with us. And I'll be honest, like she kind of pushed my buttons a little bit. Like she pushed me out of my comfort zone. She helped us create some verbiage to talk to patients about the oral systemic connection and helped us kind of develop that and practice that. And I, I will not forget, like she had me kind of run through it with her a couple of times. And then my patient got there and she's like, okay, now go do that with them. And I was like, Oh, I can't, I can't, I'm not ready. She's like, yeah, you are, you got this. And so I went in and I was, I was so uncomfortable. I was a little bit angry. I was like, I'm, I, I gotta get prepared. I'm not prepared. And I went in and did it and it went great. And then I did it again and again and again. And then it became old, old hat. And I was like, that was awesome. So I'm super appreciative of her knowledge and her mentorship and her um, pushing me because I think we all need that. And I'm hopeful that this is what this podcast is for a lot of our listeners is kind of that push to take the next step and get curious and really dive into the oral systemic connection because we have such a big responsibility as hygienists in this world. And so without further ado, I want to tell you a little bit about Gerilyn. So she has spent 39 years as a dental hygienist in both clinical private practice and public health, as well as many years expanding her medical and dental knowledge through her work as an event manager, program consultant, lecturer, and dental instructor for leading continuing education company. She is a founding member and past board member of the American Academy for, of Oral and Systemic Health. You guys hear me talk about AOSH all the time. Um, and she is a member of the American Dental Hygiene Association as it, and has attained status as a bail Denine preceptor, leading the way in heart attack and stroke prevention through collaborative care. As a pioneer for oral systemic health, Gerilyn wrote and appeared in Say Ah, the world's first documentary on oral health. She has spent the last 12 years living her passion of changing people's lives through education and awareness of the mouth-body connection by coaching dental teams and helping them collaborate with the medical community. She is Recode 2.0 certified, which we're going to talk about more today, and is excited to help dental professionals expand their knowledge in dementia prevention and reversal and to further elevate their dental teams. So, Gerilyn, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Well, Sharissa, first of all, that was an incredible and very thoughtful um, uh, discussion of our introduction because I remember it a little bit differently. Um, You were probably one of the most curious hygienists I've ever met in my life. And training you was a cinch. um, And I have to tell you that you were so good at delivering the message to patients once I introduced you to it, uh, that I had to videotape you. I don't know if you remember that. And I've used that videotape over and over to show other hygienists how to get out of their comfort zone. So yeah, it's a huge step. Um, when you first have to talk to a patient about oral systemic health and you feel like I don't have a place there, how can I go there? 
what, you know, what business is it of mine? And many hygienists are still in that mindset. We're doing a great job of spreading the word and getting everyone on board, but there's many still that want to take that leap and talk to their patients about their health. Um, simple things like their weight, which can be very, uh, you know, a very difficult discussion to have, but um, you did it so gracefully. And I've trained many hygienists to do the same thing. And um, so it's really just, uh, you know, taking that first step. So, and I really appreciate the introduction. Thank you. Absolutely. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, because again, you've been a hygienist for 39 years and you have made these tough steps yourself. You didn't start out knowing all of this. So tell me some of your aha moments that have kind of been that journey, those stepping stones for you that have brought you to where you are today. Absolutely. So um, you mentioned that I was uh, involved with a continuing education company here in Connecticut, which is where I'm located. And so for years, I worked with this company and we had different hygienists, you know, that that were my rock stars coming in and doing lectures. And several of them were even way back in the day. I mean, I can remember way back, you know, in the 90s, um, having somebody come in and talk about, um, you know, diabetes. Of course, that was one of the first things that we all made the connection to, right? Periodontal disease and diabetes. And I was always fascinated with this. So while that was a job for me running these, this program and, and helping uh, hygienists, you know, in the registration area and so forth and running these, um, you know, daily, I mean, uh, monthly events, I was learning at the same time. So I always had that, had that thirst for knowledge as many hygienists do, right? We are all, I think we're all cut from the same cloth. You know, we love to learn. We're passionate. We care about people. We want to help. And so I can remember my days as a dental hygienist in in private practice. And it was a very slow evolution for me of seeing my patients' mouths and correlating that with their medical histories. So I was someone who always took the medical history very, very seriously. I took blood pressure way, way back in the day because uh, somebody lit my fire to taking blood pressure. And really that's all it takes is for somebody, you know, one, one speaker, one mentor, one person. And I can't tell you who that was now, but I remember that I was really, really wrapped up in that. So I always looked at medical history, which is where we always start anyway. And then I was seeing people's mouths and over time in my mind, all I could think of was, I bet this person has diabetes. You know, I bet this person, this person's not well, I can tell, I can tell there's something bigger going on here. You can't have this much, much inflammation and bleeding in your mouth and not have something really, really wrong with you. So it was just that curiosity that got me to doing more reading. And I did a lot of research on my own, just reading and learning. And it wasn't until, um, someone mentioned to me about, It was AOSH that really was, you know, a pivotal moment in my life. Um, But I I just want to back up because I want to tell you about one patient that I had. One patient that I had over and over, I kept seeing him and the perio was getting worse. And I had treated him for quadrant scaling, root planning. So this is back some time ago. And he would come in and it was getting worse. And one day, one particular day, I looked in his mouth and said, have you talked to your physician? Because something just tells me there's something bigger going on. And this was a big burly guy who worked out, seemed to be in good shape, didn't see doctors very often. So he, between that, that uh, recare appointment and the next one, he came back, which was three months later, he had been diagnosed with leukemia. And for me, I just wanted to die. I felt like, well, A, I just knew this before he did. I knew something was wrong. That was the moment when I was like, aha, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And so then I was after that, it was about a year later, I was introduced to, um, AOSH and I attended as a founding member and really it all, all of my education, most of it came from AOSH. I mean, even to this day, you can join AOSH and you can just learn and learn and learn. There's no stopping you because it's all in the archives. You can, as a member, see all of the information, all of the lectures, scientific sessions, and you can just, you know, be a learner like we are. Yeah, for sure. And I'll say, you know, it, 
it's interesting because I think I'm hoping our listeners resonate. I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, it happens to me weekly, daily almost, where I'm in somebody's mouth and I'm thinking there's more to the story here. Like, I, you know, the quality of the tissue, the type, you know, the, the bleeding, the, the color, just all of it. And I'm like, there's something deeper. And I will say that, you know, sometimes we get a little uh, leery of, of trying some of the new technology and new tools out. I know a lot of hygienists have said to me, um, I get a little overwhelmed at salivary diagnostics because I get these results back and I don't, I don't really know what to do with them. Right. And, you know, it's always, like you said, it's always that taking that next step and, you know, learning that next thing. It's not, it doesn't happen all at once. It's definitely a journey and it's definitely a process, but I have found that now that I've gotten comfortable with salivary testing and I'm post-testing and I'm seeing that even though clinically things might look better, I'm post-testing and still seeing, you know, pathogens present that though it feels a little unnerving and scary because I think, oh gosh, I don't quite know what to do next. What it's telling me is I've done what I know to do from my end. Now we got to dig deeper because there is more happening here. We need to get your physician involved here. And that feels like a scary thing to say. Just like you said earlier, talking to someone about their weight, that feels a little uncomfortable and scary. And, and, you know, just taking people's blood pressure sometimes is offensive to them, I feel like. But we've got to really embrace the role we have because we are very limited with what we can control when there's a whole systemic problem and and disease going on. So getting those results back, and even if they're not what we anticipate or not what we hope to see, it tells us there's more to the story. And I think that's really important that we start listening to that, looking at that and responding to that and encouraging our patients to dig deeper. Right. You know what? You're, you are right on with what you just said, because as hygienists, and I'm going to speak for every single person who might be listening to this, there's no way you're not a perfectionist. That's what we are. We're all perfectionists, right? We're all that type A. So what do we want? We want to implement something. You know, maybe it's a, a protocol for getting rid of those bacteria, and then we want them to come back and we want a clean slate, right? We want it to be, okay, I did it. That's perfect. I'm perfect. It's perfect. I help the patient. And it's not that way. And over time, you find out from working through patients that everybody has a unique microbiome and what, and some things just even themselves out. And that, that it tends to be their normal microbiome and then other things shift. And this is why it's a lifelong monitoring. It's, it's not just, you know, we test, we treat, we're done. Right. We test, we treat, and then we continue to test and it becomes part, it becomes routine. It becomes a routine for the patients as well. Yes. And I think that we get in our own heads too much because we are perfectionists. And so we do, we want that magic silver bullet, that grenade that we can just drop in there and be like, oh, it's all done. And we don't have to, you know, you're going to just be great forever. And I have this year really had to overcome that mentality of like, well, my patient did every single thing I asked them to do, but they're still not well. And, you know, then now I feel like they're looking at me going, well, I spent the time, I spent the money, I did all the things you asked me to do, and I'm still not better. And I've got to let that go and say, okay, well, that means there's more to the story here. And this is a journey that I'm going to walk with you. And I'm not going to leave you hanging. Like we'll do this together, but let's take the next step. Is that a sleep study? Is that looking at, you know, do you have some gut dysbiosis? Have you had, you know, when was your last physical? What's your blood sugar? some, you know, pre-diabetes or diabetes going on here. There's just so much to it. So I think we've got to remove that expectation that we might have of ourselves and what we think we're going to accomplish here Mm -hmm. and realize that we will never arrive. There will never be a magic bullet. We live in a world full of bacteria and virus and mold. And it is a constant battle of trying to find that healthy balance. And then I know you're a huge proponent with me on this, but so much of our lifestyle factors are what are going to create true health and wellness versus disease. So we've got to be talking about that in our chairs. We have more face time with our patients than any other provider. And for the most part, so we've got to be comfortable starting to dive into those conversations and help that patient kind of start putting everything together and really understand those correlations. And I think patients will appreciate that you want to partner with them because you know what? They don't have anybody anymore. They don't have the physician who's on the clock, um, you know, with a countdown that says you have seven minutes for this appointment. 
Right. You know, they don't, they're not getting what they want and need from their uh, providers, their, their healthcare providers. They need us more yes. than ever. And they're very appreciative when you really uncover, you know, and you do it slowly. Like you said, yep. it's like peeling away like an onion. You just have to peel the layers. You don't need to bombard them with, you know, it might be this, it could be that. It could be that. Let's just take a look at this. Right. This one little factor, you know? Yes. Yes. So I know that you specifically, I mean, obviously I know that you are passionate about the entire oral systemic connection and, and you have a really good understanding of it. Um, but I know you're very specifically passionate about the connection between oral disease and Alzheimer's and dementia, which, you know, I think we both agree is just an absolute epidemic at this point. Yes. Um, and just that being said, I know because you're so aware of this, share some of the latest stats on Alzheimer's and dementia for us so that we're Absolutely. all aware. You know, I'm super passionate about it because I will tell you that um, my mother-in-law passed at the age of 67 from Alzheimer's disease. And, you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. <laughs> um, so my husband will be 65 this year. And this has been something that has been on my mind for many years uh, because she got it at the age of 63. And from 63 to 67, was just a nightmare. And it wasn't, uh, you know, there are those people that go down the path very slowly. And there's those people that, that go down that path very quickly. And she was one of them. So, um, it's very personal to me. My mother also had it in her as, as an 85 year old, but she lived until 93. So it, although dementia, we think of it as an old person's disease. Okay. Now, what we're seeing is that younger and younger people are getting it. They're saying the average age of the people living with dementia now is 49. Whoa. So that's huge. And since COVID, there has been a massive increase in dementia. And that's because, of course, you know, there's so much to still learn about COVID, but I'm sure you've all heard that there's these particular spike proteins and they wreak havoc on the neurological system. Okay. So maybe it's those people that were, uh, you know, sitting on the brink and all it took was for them to get COVID. And now it's just tipped the scales and here they are. Um, there's been a 373% increase in dementia in the age group of 30 to 44. Wow. So we're now talking about 30 year olds. Okay. But you, it also prompts me to think of other things and I could be wrong or I could be right about this, but we have to look at lifestyle again. Okay. We are all wrapped up in living in our, you know, our phones, our, our social media. Screens, our, yeah. There's so many all encompassing factors that go into our lives. So it could be many, many things. Um, but Alzheimer's is the seventh leading cause of death in the world. Okay. It is the third leading cause of death in the United States. And it's the second leading cause of death in the UK. Um, and among women in the UK, it's the leading cause of death. So more than 6 million Americans are living with Alzheimer's disease. So uh, one in 10 Americans that are over the age of 65 um, has Alzheimer's disease. And you have to think not only of the uh, impact on the families. Okay. So this is, it, it's just something that is, it is profound, right? To lose your loved ones before you actually lose them. Correct. It is, it is very, very devastating. It takes an emotional and mental strain. Uh, you know, we all see patients in our chairs every day. And how many of them, when you first say, how are you doing? How are you doing? Many of them are caregivers to people with yes. Alzheimer's. You know, they're young women who are sandwiched between their children and their parents. And their parents have Alzheimer's and they're dealing with young children. I was one of those. It, it is very very, very difficult. So everyone, this is a disease that everyone can relate to. Yes. For uh, sure. Yeah. It's touched all, all, all of our lives. I think so. I can, yeah. you know, it's like cancer. I mean, of course it's touched so many of our lives. Um, but I will say that Chip Whitney always says that this quote, and it is that you can, uh, people don't feel the heart attack they're going to have in two years, right. Or five years or 10 years, but they do feel the Alzheimer's that they're going to get because we have those senior moments, you know, we have, we have it on our minds a lot because our parents have it or had it. So 
they feel it. It's something they're acutely aware of and they are concerned about. Yeah. So I think so much of our society doesn't understand that cognitive decline is avoidable to begin with, again, with our lifestyle choices. And we know that everything, again, has to do with that. But I feel like a lot of people don't realize that it, it is reversible when treated correctly. Um, and we as hygienists know it's a big deal, but I'm not sure we fully understand how big of an impact and role we can take at helping or hindering. So talk to me about what the latest research is showing when it comes to oral contributions to cognitive decline. Okay. So the oral contributors, um, and we're going to talk about the recode program and the certification for dental professionals, which is where you're really going to get the in-depth education on this. Okay. Um, but we're really looking at three main aspects of oral health when we're talking about, um, Alzheimer's disease. And those are, um, uh, periodontal disease. Okay. Um, mercury toxicity and then airway. Okay. So three very, very important areas that we as dental hygienists are dealing with every single day. So first we'll take a look at, uh, periodontal disease. And of course we know that periodontal disease affects so many different body systems, right? And it's linked to so many diseases. Correct. Um, But when it comes to uh, Alzheimer's disease, we want to focus in on specific oral pathogens that we know now have been um, in the research, you know, linked to as causative of Alzheimer's disease. Um, And one of the things very important to understand that you will learn in the RECODE certification um, is about Alzheimer's disease and how it manifests itself in the body through these um, uh, amyloid beta uh, plaques and proteins, right? But what's what's been discovered, you know, through all of Dr. Bredesen's research is that, you know, they've been looking for something to, to stop this amyloid beta for how many years now, right? Everything's been focused on, let's find the drug, let's find the one drug that's going to you know, cure Alzheimer's disease. And there is no one drug because his precision medicine program has shown that there are multiple contributors in your life that will eventually manifest themselves to go down the path of physiology of getting Alzheimer's disease. Um, And oral systemic health is one of those. So let's just pull that out for a minute. But what he has uncovered is that these... um, this plaque buildup and these tangles and all that we know is Alzheimer's disease is actually our innate immune system. That is part of our innate immune system. So if you simply understand that, now you fully understand why we're getting it because it is a protective response to uh, protecting the brain, creating all of this to protect the brain. And then the downsizing of the brain, as we know it from Alzheimer's disease is also a protective response. You know, let's pull away from what's, you know, in, infiltrating our brain. Yeah. 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 Salt. Exactly. So when we talk about oral pathogens, we're talking about, um, uh, going way back to Judith McClossey's research that you and I know very well that we learned at AOSH because she was an incredible speaker um, way back in 2011 when she talked about these spirochetes. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's causation level evidence le- linking the spirochete to Alzheimer's disease, um, particularly trep- Treponema denticola, because we know that it's highly virulent, okay, and it easily penetrates the tissues and causes incredible destruction. And it's a master at evading the host immune response. So just looking at that one area, the spirochetes is very, very important for our patients. And then, you know, you move on to P. gingivalis. Okay. So we know that it affects all distant organs in the body. And so it's not surprising as a keystone pathogen that it's affecting our brains. Okay. Um, But really what they've learned, and I think this research came out showing the causation level evidence in 2019, um, is that this P. gingivalis releases or it creates these toxic proteases um, from this bacterium called gingipane, okay? So it's the gingipane that significantly contribute to the pathology of the Alzheimer's disease, right? And so now there is a drug actually being 
created, and I'm not sure if you're aware of that, um, by Quince Therapeutics, which was formerly the company was known as Cortizyme. And they have been developing a drug that targets the ginger pain. Okay. So that drug is now in its, I believe it's in its second clinical trial. And so if that drug comes to market, let's just think about this. If that drug goes to market, you could imagine like any drug company, the advertisement, so to speak, to the general public that's going to be coming on the televisions about you need to get, you know, at Zagenstat because it's going to protect you if you have periodontal disease. It's going to protect you from getting Alzheimer's, right? This is going to be a big thing if this happens. So we need to be ahead of this. As hygienists, yes. we need to know that that's happening before our patient sits in the chair and says, hey, I heard, you know, and then you're like, uh, really? So you, you should know that ahead of time. And, you know, if it, if it comes to that, you know, this is really big stuff going yeah. out to the general public. So you may have p- patients coming into your practice and saying, hey, I saw a TV commercial, you know, and then if you don't know anything about Alzheimer's disease, then you're going to be, you know, left to just kind of, kind of flounder through that answer. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then lately as of 2022, we now have the definitive uh, link between F nucleatum. Okay. Now F nucleatum, as we know it as the the most important bacteria when it comes to children, uh, babies, uh, preterm birth. Okay. And stillbirth. Okay. Because we know it can cross that placental barrier, but also the brain barrier. So it exacerbates this whole pathology of Alzheimer's disease because it contributes to the overgrowth of these microglial cells and the microglial cells, <coughs> they're, <coughs> excuse me, they're major immune cells in the nervous system. So they are actually um, helpful in dealing with inflammation and regulating brain inf- inflammation, but it, as an overgrowth, you know, you're talking about an, an over uh, growth uh, and overproduction of inflammatory cytokines. And it's that massive inflammatory response, which is just one type of Alzheimer's disease. And you'll learn about the, the different types of Alzheimer's disease, the five different types during in the recode certification. So that's the path, you know, those are the oral pathogens that we really need to be concerned about. And then you have mercury. Okay. So Uh, You know, mercury comes at us from many different directions, but we as dental professionals, um, not only as a health hazard for ourselves, we know that mercury is a neurotoxin. So let's steer clear of it. If we know it's a neurotoxin, you know, why do we still have dentists out there that are placing amalgams? Okay. And why, you know, why can't we just all accept that in my personal opinion, it's unethical to be placing amalgams because they leach into our systems, right? When you chew and when they're they're temperature sensitive. So the heat actually helps to release that, um, that mercury into our system. So we don't want that. So we all need to be uh, aware of it. You know, we don't need to shock our patients when they jump in our chair and we see that they're loaded with amalgams. Uh, you know, but we need to educate them and we need to make sure that they're not exacerbating the problem by eating a lot of, you know, big fish, you know, your large fish are the ones that have a lot of mercury in them like tuna. Okay. And, um, you know, it's, it's something, it's a conversation to be had absolutely. And for sure. And if you have patients that are showing that have more than 12 and there's, there's a, there's an actual number of like more than 12 has been shown clinically to be a big, significant issue. Um, amalgams, you want to talk to them about slowly getting them replaced. Okay. Maybe if they're showing signs of dementia or concerns for it, you want to partner with a physician that can get that testing done to find out if it's, if they have mercury toxicity, So there's a perfect opportunity to link up with a physician and and get those tests done, right? Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, obviously we always get very, very mindful of our patients, of course, because that's what we're here for. But I want to make the point for ourselves as providers, especially our dentists that are taking that mercury out and inhaling that in. We as hygienists polishing, just polishing, especially if we're using air polishers, and we're polishing those in amalgams, that's sending that into, you know, we're breathing that in as well. So we have to be really careful with that aspect as well. Yes. 
Absolutely. I meant to mention that. That is so, so important because it really is a, uh, a health, you know, it's a health risk. Our, the, our profession is a health risk in that department. And it's very, very important that we're aware of it. Um, you know, I can remember as a hygienist when, you know, going way back in the eighties, when I didn't have a, when our assistant didn't show up jumping in the assistant chair, you know, filling, you know, prepping the amalgam for the doctor and passing it over to him, just using a little scooper and whatever. And as a child sitting around the kitchen table, playing with broken thermometers and (laughs) passing the mercury between the kids. I mean, honestly, we did that. And I'm embarrassed to even say it, but, um, you know, I've got some mercury toxicity, you know, I'm having it taken care of, but it only helps to be tested and checked. Yeah. Very, very important. Yeah. So then our third aspect that you had mentioned was airway. Airway. Okay. So in airway, really it's pretty basic. You know, if you're having the conversation with your patients and so here's the thing, it was 2017, I believe, right. When the ADA called for all dentists, finally, the policies changed that all dentists should be screening for airway uh, problems. So we need to be talking to our patients about obstructive sleep apnea. And it's not, you know, here's the big thing that I always hear in coaching hygienists. It's one more thing we have to do. <laughs> you know, how do we, how can we fit so much into an hour? And my response to that is, it's not one more thing you have to do because you were trained in dental hygiene school how to do a proper oral exam. Were you not? intraoral exam. Okay. You're in there looking anyway. So if you're not seeing a scalloped tongue and elongated uvula, uh, you know, a blocked, uh, you know, a blocked airway when they stick their tongue out and you can't see that space down their throat, then you haven't done a proper exam anyway. So you're seeing these things anyway. Now, all you need to do is say, dentist, Mr. Dentist, I noticed these things. Okay. I noticed that this patient has a very small airway. I noticed that this patient has a scalloped tongue. I, you know, I asked this patient how they sleep at night. I mean, those are just easy, simple questions yes. to ask, okay? And when it comes to our brains, is there any organ more important than our brain that needs oxygen, okay? No, because without it, we can't live. So nocturnal oxygen saturation is very, very important. Dr. Bredesen talks about it in depth. Um, and you learn that... Um, you know, it's important to measure that at night to make sure that your oxygen is in, in a healthy range, um, above 95 for sure. And, uh, 95%. And if it's not, you know, you need to be, you need to be taking that seriously because you're spending eight hours sleeping and that's eight hours where your brain is not being sufficiently cleansed because it takes oxygen and to, to keep this cleansing process going. Um, so we really, really need to be careful about that. Yeah. So those three make a whole lot of sense. And you're right. We have kind of a front row seat to all of those as hygienists. So um, I think that there is a huge shift that has already started and I'm excited for it to continue in our profession. I have made the comment here in the last six months that I feel like I'm in a whole new profession and it's a little scary and it's a little daunting because I don't yet know all the things, but I'm embracing it and I'm getting excited about it. And I want to hop back to just a second ago when you were talking about the pathogens and those driving, um, Alzheimer's and you're, you're right. You know, there's the studies are showing it definitively as causation. And I have to say, and I think I've said this in the past on a previous podcast that, you know, when I first started out as a baby hygienist, I had this visual of, you know, just one or two or three little bugs floating around in the sulcus. And I was just going to go in there with my scaler and just kind of scrape them out and flush them away. And they were going to be gone. And then, you know, the more I've learned and the more I've seen, and I had, uh, I was so thrilled to have Barbara Tritz join us uh, a couple of weeks back and, you know, she uses microscopy. And so as my listeners, if you have not listened to that podcast, you need to go back and listen to her. That was nutritious hygiene, but you also need to check her out. She has really fabulous. She posts all the time what she's seeing on her microscope. And when you see those spirochetes active, it is not one or two, three little, you know, gentle things floating around. It is an all out war going on of hundreds of thousands of these spirochetes. You can see them attacking white blood cells. They move at like the speed of light. So it's crazy to actually visually see that and think, 
oh my gosh, that's what I'm up against. And this is a tiny little spot on the microscope that we're seeing. Imagine what is happening here orally throughout the entire mouth. And then, like you said, their ability to cross that blood brain barrier, it's insane. So I, I say that for this point of, because I've always been a big proponent of this, and I know you are too. So I wanted to talk a little bit about bacteremia, because I think our standard of care for hygiene has been, you know, we go in, we do our perio assessment, you know, we decide, you know, is there active infection? Is there bleeding? Okay, well, let's treat that. And we'll go in and we'll do scaling and root planing. But what we're doing in that process is disrupting all of that bacteria into the bloodstream. So I feel like we kind of got to take a step back as we think about how do we approach this in a way, because I'm concerned that I am putting my patients more at risk. And especially mm -hmm. these patients that have had multiple, you know, sessions of scaling and root cleaning over the years, I feel like every time we've just kind of opened that door to let all those bacteria into the bloodstream. Mm -hmm. so talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on that. Well, you know, I've got very strict thoughts about that. <laughs> so, well, first of all, I want to mention something because you just talked about, you know, opening up the door into the bloodstream. And you have to remember that when you're treating a patient, and we all learned this from Bale Donine, that, you know, what, what we're doing, I mean, it, it can really be life and death because those bacteria can trigger a heart attack. So what, I'm, what I mean by saying that is that somebody you know, their next heart attack could be tomorrow and you don't know that. Are you willing to risk the fact that you might introduce bacteria into their system that might put them over the edge of that inflammatory process, just, just tipping it over the edge where they actually have that heart attack after they leave that chair? And how many of us have had recare appointments where we say, oh, how's your health and how have you been? Oh, I had a heart attack. You know, I mean, doesn't that just set you back? And do you think to yourself, gee, did they have it the week after I did a scaling and replating it? Like, when did this happen? You know, so you never, never know. You have a lot of responsibility when someone is in your chair for their overall health, not just the health of their mouth. So you just want to remember that proceed with caution. Okay. And I like to say, you know, I'm a big proponent of treating before you scale and replane. Okay. So get the antibiotics on board. I am not a proponent of antibiotics. I am, I am not, I have not been and have not been on antibiotics in 30 something years, but there are times when antibiotics are necessary and we have to be thoughtful about how the process works. Yes. Those, that, those, that, those, um, antibiotics may wipe out a lot of bacteria, good, bad, and otherwise. And we have to be very, very careful about that. So I'm, I'm not saying put every single one of your patients on antibiotics, but if you do, okay, then we need to replenish. So you need to understand which bacteria through oral and systemic probiotics does this patient need and put a protocol in place. Work with your doctor, your dentist uh, practice owner, and find out what is our protocol. So what are we going to do once we put the patient on the antibiotics? And that does not have to be your route because there are oral antibiotic rinses out there. Okay. We can be using those. So then it does not go systemic. We can be using uh, many treatment rinses. Um, you know, I'm also a big fan of the carry free treatment rinse again, wiping everything out, but you have to replenish. Okay. So yes, one of the big um, holdbacks from bacterial testing is I don't know what to do once I get the once I get the result, but let's not worry about, you know, what it is we have to do. Let's do something with that worry. Okay. Let's research what we're going to do. Let's sit down as a team and decide what we're going to do. Let's tackle what is a very, very important, uh, practice, um, protocol. We have to understand it. We have to, we, as a team need to know how we're going to deal with it. And we all need to do it the same. We can't have one hygienist in one room treating this way and one hygienist in the other room. No, I don't really believe that treating another way. Let's all sit down and let's all figure it out. So I really encourage teams to get together, put their protocols in place and always, always start treatment, you know, at least two weeks. I like to give two weeks before scaling and root planning, get some, yeah. something on board to yeah. help with that, to yeah. lower the inflammatory response before you start scaling and root planning. And Teresa, you can tell me, cause I'm not in private practice anymore, what your protocols are, 
How are you, right. are you handling this? Well, and I think first and foremost, we've got to start with salivary testing. That has to be the gold standard because we don't know what's there. Yes. We don't have x-ray vision, Superman vision to say, oh my gosh, this particular patient is loaded with TD and FN. And they've got an airway issue that they've been dealing with. They've never been, they've got apnea, but they've never been treated or diagnosed. And they've got a family history of Alzheimer's. So am I going to go into that patient's mouth and disrupt all of that while they're already inflamed? Like that doesn't make any sense. We can't address it unless we know what we're up against. So salivary testing is number one to start. Um, You know, in the state of Georgia, I'm a little limited with what I can and can't do. Um, I am a big proponent. I lean a lot on, we use the carry free products. Um, We use Perio Protect. I really like to treat my patients with Perio Protect prior to therapy, um, especially if they've got some systemic stuff that I'm worried about. Awesome. we, we enlist antibiotics when we need to as well. I'm not, I'm not afraid to do that. I feel like the benefits outweigh the risks a lot of times. Um, so I just think there's a lot of different, what I've learned is, and this is where I think it can get overwhelming is there is no true cookie cutter approach. Every patient is different, but we've got to step back and look at all the pieces. It's like every patient is this puzzle that we're putting together. And like you said, it's a journey. We're not going to figure it out all at once, but it's like, let's start putting the the basics. You know, whenever I do a puzzle personally, I always do the outer edge first. We've got to put that outer edge together of what does medical history look like? What are, you know, what, is there an airway issue? Is there a GI dysbiosis issue? What does this patient's family history look like? You know, really understanding all of that and then looking at pathogens, what are present and then kind of start building in from there. In my opinion, I believe that pathogen, oral pathogen testing, and I would love to get to a place where this was our standard of care in dentistry. I mean, why it's not there yet, I just don't know, but you know, you wouldn't walk into your doctor's office and, you know, for me, go in with a very, very sore throat and they don't say, you know what, let's culture that. Let's check that out. Let's, you know, let's do a test. I I can't give you an antibiotic unless I know what I'm dealing with. Yep. I mean, so that's, and it's very similar phraseology in, in dentistry, right? So, you know, Mrs. Jones, I don't know what I'm dealing with. I can't possibly treat what I don't no, I'm dealing with. There are so many different pathogens. We need to check and see what they are. And I think if you make it your standard of care in your practice to screen every single patient as a new patient, don't you want to know where they're starting from? I mean, that's the whole important point. So I, I say, build it right into your treatment plan, build it right into the cost of the new patient appointment, you know, to get over that barrier of you need this test, but it's not covered by insurance. So it's going to cost you take the language right out. It's, this is our new patient appointment. This is what we do. This is how it works. If you want to join our practice, we are, we start with bacterial testing. We see what your profile looks like. Hopefully it's a healthy one. And then we keep that in our files and go forward. You know, and if it's not, we're going to work to balance that out. And we're going to talk about all types of, you know, areas of your health that it's impacting and how we can help you in all areas. What patient doesn't want that? Right. What patient doesn't want better care? What patient doesn't want a higher standard of care? Right. Absolutely. So it really is much easier than we make it out to be. And it all comes from a place of fear. I don't know what to do with the test. I don't know what to say. Well, Sharissa did it. She got out of her comfort zone. I did it. I got out of my comfort zone. And every hygienist listening to this has the ability to do the same thing. And if they feel they don't, they can reach out to any of us and any of the wonderful people that you have on your podcast and learn because we are all an open book and that's what it's about. Yep. It's, it is, it's, it is a, a collaboration of leaning on each other and what we've learned and what works for sure. So we both know from experience that we can't treat just the patient's oral issues to prevent disease, just like the physician can't just address the body issues outside of the mouth and achieve total health. 
We've got to work together, which we also know can be a daunting task. And I have run into that myself personally, as I've tried to work with physicians. And honestly, for me, the biggest issue is time is having the time to connect with those doctors and really explain. I'll be honest. And I know you agree with me that a lot of our physicians out there are so busy and so inundated with patient care. They don't know and understand all of these links and connections yet either. And there's been frustrations for me where I've sent a patient to their doctor with really high blood pressure and periodontal disease and concerns about airway. And they come back and they say, yeah, they're, they just want me to watch it for a little while. And I'm like, what's happening? So there's, there definitely still is a gap and I'm hoping that we're closing that. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about for, with you today, because I, I wanted to talk about, you know, we talked about your past situation of being a hygienist for 39 years, but I want to talk about your current situation, which you have aligned with your passion for, you know, cognitive decline with complete health heroes. So tell yeah. me a little bit about that, your mission, your program, your recode 2.0. Absolutely. So, um, so for those who don't know what Recode 2.0 is, okay, first we should probably start there. So um, Dr. Dale Bredesen is the founder of uh, this program. It is a program to reverse um, Alzheimer's disease, okay? So he, of course, um, being a neurologist, um, 30 years of researching um, in the lab, he's published over 220 papers and really what he learned through all of this is that there is no drug. There is no one thing. It, it is a combination of many different insults to the body or over 36 root causes that he's identified today and more growing every day um, that are contributing to this Alzheimer's disease. So he has put together a precision medicine program um, that focuses on each person's individual risk factors uh, through blood testing and a lot of data that's put in. And an, there is an algorithm that is uh, that creates a, an incredible report. I've heard it's up to 70 pages of just of you, what you need to do. How do you prevent Alzheimer's disease? Um, and so this report and all of this, um, uh, this program is delivered through a portal called Apollo Health. And you can go onto that portal, uh, Apollo, Apollo Health, co.com uh, or just look up Apollo Health Alzheimer's disease and it'll pop right up. And you can see that there is now a recode program, which stands for reverse cognitive decline. And then there's also a program called pre-code. So for those of us, and there's 40, you know, there's 45 million people that are living with the highest risk factor, genetic risk factor, the APOE4 gene, okay, for Alzheimer's disease that used to be like, well, why should I get tested for that gene? Because there's nothing I can do about it. Now there's something you can do about it because the, the pre-code program has been developed to prevent cognitive decline. So you don't need to have Alzheimer's disease to join that program. And you can join that program. Um, there's a monthly fee. It's very, very minimal. It's like $39 a month or something. And you can learn about his protocol and what you need to do every day to help prevent disease. And it's all centered around what he calls the Bredesen 7. Okay. And we're talking about, um, of course, nutrition, right? Super, super important. Exercise. Um, and all of this goes, is going, goes into depth in the program, um, sleep. Okay. Stress, how we react to stress supplements. What supplements do we need to be taking? You know, what are we lacking? Um, we need to find out. Okay. Because, you know, our food supply is no longer providing us with what we need. Detoxification. Like we're talking about all of these toxicities, mold being a massive, massive contributor to Alzheimer's disease. So we need to know what's you know, bombarding our bodies and we need to get rid of it and brain stimulation. You know, what are we doing and, and what are our children doing? We need to be thinking about our children. You know, are they staring at social media six hours a day? Because no, they, they need to be making new brain cells and connections and stimulating the brain all the time. So, and all of this is done on a bed of mindfulness. So these are the seven core aspects of the Bredesen protocol um, that you learn. And, um, and then you work through the program to reverse or prevent your own cognitive decline. But um, so the program uh, is, you know, in depth, and 
you, one of the wonderful things about it is you do need to be working with a physician. Okay. So Dr. Bredesen has trained physicians starting in 2017. There's a couple thousand physicians throughout the country that are trained in the recode program. Okay. So they're out there and they're helping patients reverse their cognitive decline. And, you know, his clinical trial was just published in the journal of Alzheimer's this August. So it shows that he's able to achieve 84% of the patients improved their cognition. So now we know that Alzheimer's is not a terminal disease. We can reverse it. And we have, I think, a responsibility to share this information with our patients. So it was somewhere between 2017 and 18, 19. He learned uh, through the, um, inter- you know, he's very open-minded and worked with, with many, many physicians. You know, he's not closed off. From, he's, he's open to hearing everything. And I believe it was Chip, Dr. Chip Whitney that brought to him the importance of oral health and started looking at the, the oral health contributors to cognitive decline and dissecting those. And so now in, now in 2021, um, they started certifying dental professionals in this RECODE program. So now, and I'm privileged to think that we as hygienists can get this certification. I'm excited that they've Um, open their mind to not just dentists, but hygienists. So you can become certified in Recode and then your name will go up on their website as a certified practitioner. So patients can look for you when, and patients are learning when you're participating in this program, you're learning how important your oral health is. So you're looking to find a dentist who understands this, you know, and you can work with them. So really putting the pieces of the puzzle together, you're going to need to have a a physician and then you're going to need to have a dentist. So the recode physicians are now being told that they need to partner with a dentist. So if we have certified, we, um, and I say we, Complete Health Heroes is the branch, I'll call it a branch of Apollo Health um, that is certifying the dentists, okay? The dental professionals, the hygienists. So we are helping the, the dental professionals to be trained in the entire recode program. And we provide certification, continuing education, and then we provide um, the uh, implementation of this program. So I take it a step further. I do training with the hygienists, show them how they can have these conversations with their patients. And we provide the marketing tools that you need to brand yourself as an oral systemic practice focused on disease prevention in the area of Alzheimer's disease. So wouldn't it be great if in your community, you could drive so many uh, patients just on that one theme, you know, you're the Alzheimer's prevention specialist in your area. Um, If you're certified, you can certainly claim that and you'll be getting the the Recode um, and Apollo Health logos to use on your website and and you'll be able to launch that, which I think is very, very important. Um, So part of all of this is that once you are certified, then we will connect you with the Recode physicians in your area. Okay, And it's not just Recode physicians. I don't want to leave out a huge aspect of this is that they're certifying thousands of health coaches. Okay, so health coaches, if you, uh, now we're all kind of working in the, in the world of um, telehealth. Mm-hmm. So health coaches can work through telehealth. So you can be a hygienist who has, who, or a dental practice who has a health coach that's working with you. Okay, and working with your patients on the recode and pre-code programs if they choose to. You can bring that in, and we will certainly introduce you to any health coaches in your vicinity um, and any physicians. I just did that last week where I united a dentist with a physician and a health coach. So that's the perfect match. Now they'll all be working together because they are in the same area. Um, And they don't necessarily have to be all too close by, but it's nice if we can track them down in the same area. But we're also going to reach out to, we have to broaden this a little bit because not every physician is recode certified yet, right? I mean, that's just another mission we're on to get more certified physicians. But think about your naturopaths and think about your, um, you know, your uh, other health coaches that are not even certified in recode. Those, those, uh, people in your community that are, you know, focused on um, prevention and, you know, those are really the chiropractors, the ones that are really focused on prevention. Those are the ones you want to reach out to. So if you've got a naturopath in your area, 
you could simply reach out and say, you know what, could you help us? We have patients that might need mercury testing, you know, and that's really the best way to start a relationship. You ask the, you ask a physician to, to partner with you with something that's going to benefit them. Right. I hate to say, but if it's the sleep physician, can you test our patients? We need patients tested, right? That's going to open the door to the conversation. And I appreciate the fact that hygienists, they can't do this all on their own. So you have to, you have to find someone in the practice that can do it. Now there's plenty of people in the practice that can, if you're all working together as a practice, if you've all gotten the recode certification or oral systemic education, okay, you've all been to AOSH, not just the hygienist, but you've got to bring someone else in, somebody that drives the practice, whether that is, you know, a treatment coordinator who's just a master at what she does and she's super savvy in health, um, or, you know, or maybe you start looking for someone that's like that and you bring them in and they are your voice. Okay. So you train them what you're doing clinically, and then they go out and they provide literature to the practices and they talk to dentists and they send out letters on your behalf that are pre-written and signed by you. And you simply put the person's name in, you know, these are all things that can happen that without taking away time from the hygienist and the clinical aspect. Um, you as a hygienist, maybe you've practiced for several years. Maybe you want to transition into becoming the oral systemic director of your practice. You know, maybe you want to take on a a different role. There's so many ways or a dental assistant that we can start pulling people into this and start collaborating with our physicians to get connected. I think it's, there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think in order to do this, because I know what happens because this has happened in my head many times when I've gone to a, a, a new course or I've listened to a podcast or I've heard something and I thought, gosh, in theory, that sounds really cool. And I wish I can do that, but I don't, I don't see how that would work in our practice. Like I just don't have time. We don't have the people we don't have. It's going to take that getting uncomfortable to make it work because it is going to be a shift in what you're doing. You can't keep doing what you're doing and do this too. It has to be a shift of saying, Hey, I'm going to stop the hamster wheel of just polishing and doing bloody profies and milling my patients out every hour. It's got to be the change of, Hey, we're going to stop that. And instead we're going to start testing and seeing what's actually there and putting the pieces together and really treating our patients comprehensively like we should be doing because of this giant responsibility. So I think the catalyst at the beginning, because I, I think, like you said, we hygienists are perfectionists and we're like, I want to do this. I want to do the right thing every time. And I really want to help my patient. But we do sometimes in, in all reality, have some, some handcuffs on us that may come through our practice owners, our doctors that may not know the same information. So it starts with, if you're hearing this today and you're like, yeah, you, you know, you feel that kind of heaviness in your chest of like, I know this is what I should be doing. It's starting with a conversation. It's going to your practice director, going to your doctor and saying, Hey, I have this burning passion in my chest to do the best we can for our patients. Can we, can we learn some things together? Can we talk through this? Can we figure out like, just like you're saying this protocol that we're going to have for our office so that we can all be on board and really do the right thing for everybody. And don't be surprised when your dentist practice owner puts it back on you. Yes. You develop the protocol. I'll review it. Absolutely. Okay. So now if that scares you, then use your resources. And I've already mentioned how many we have available. So, you know, you can reach out. We can, we can do this all together as hygienists. Listen, we all want what's best for our patients and we all want, we all, we all want to be empowered. Um, I think back to like, you know, if I never went down this journey, how boring my life would have been as a hygienist, how boring would it have been every day to scrape away plaque, and scale and root plane and just, no, this is exciting. This is a way to re-energize yourself and then your practice. So if you're a hygienist who's listening and you say, yeah, but we don't have an oral systemic practice. And you know, my doctor's really, well, you know what? Then you be the change. You be the, the facilitator. You can also get the certification. We have a practice program, which is for a dentist and two high, two team members but you can get an individual certification just as a hygienist, get the knowledge anyway, get the knowledge of what the connections are between Alzheimer's and bring it back to your practice or bring the, this idea to your practice. You know, maybe, maybe you're not an oral systemic practice and this is one way that you can start. Let's just tackle one topic, Alzheimer's disease. Yep. That's, that's it. 
let's just start there okay and then you can slowly incorporate your your screening with your um, oral pathogen testing and you can slowly incorporate these other uh companies that we're talking about the perio protect trays you know you don't do everything all at once it's just one little baby step and that one little baby step is going to make you feel so much better at the end of your day yeah when we're all exhausted right Absolutely. Like, at least i did this you know yes. i got this done well, speaking of baby steps, um, let's talk about where to find you so that listeners can find out more information about Recode 2.0. I know completehealthheroes.com is a starting point. Tell me the website, where should they go for Apollo? So Apollo Health is going to be, um, it's a little bit tricky, so I'm just actually going to just bring that up. And I'll make sure that it, I post this in our links as well. Yes, please do. It's Apollo Health co like company so apollohealthco.com awesome and on that website you know there is a bar on there that says assess my cognition and you can take a cognitive evaluation at no cost to find out where you're at you know i mean it's it's important and yes. it's a conversation that needs to be had because nice. many many people are in denial yeah and that's a great resource to share with our patients as well so like i said i'll definitely put that in our links um, and Gerilyn, this has been so informative and so exciting. Um, we will definitely, I'm sure, have some more conversations again in the future, but I am so appreciative of your time today. Thank you so much for joining us. And I'm super excited to be, you know, just reconnecting with you and talking about what we always love to talk about, which yes. I, mean, I think all of us in this world of oral systemic health can just, especially us hygienists can just talk for hours to each other about our experiences. And I just wanna encourage anyone out there that they can be a part of this. It's a yes. beautiful world of people that are really trying to change the world. Yes, I have to be a part of a mission like that. I agree. And for those of you who are listening, who have not yet joined, as Geraldine is talking about the community of people who want to do this right and want to do the right things for our patients, come join our Mighty Network at Bulletproof Hygiene. It is free to join. It is, you just download Mighty Network, look up Bulletproof Hygiene and come join, ask your questions, ask how, how did you do this? How do I make this work? Let's talk about this. Please, please, please come find us for support because we have got to do this together. But I thank you all for listening this week and Gerilyn for having you and we will see everybody next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.